chapter 13. Perhaps you don't know, maybe you do know, I don't really know, that 2 Corinthians may not be 2 Corinthians. Uh, in all probability it was 4th Corinthians. We reckon there were two other letters that we don't have in our possession. If you read the two epistles to the Corinthians, you'll find that there was some kind of severe letter that was sent. And uh, Paul was very anxious to find out what was the result of that severe letter. And so we find that uh, he gets the news that things are a lot better. That there's been a healing there in the Corinthian church because it's a very difficult church. And there was all kinds of things going on there that wasn't of the Lord. And he was so anxious to get word back about how things were going there. And 2 Corinthians, which probably is 4th Corinthians, is the response to these other letters that were sent and the concern that he had. So we come to this final chapter of 2 Corinthians and chapter 13. This will be my third visit to you. Every matter must be established by the testimony of two or three witnesses. I already gave you a warning when I was with you the second time, and I repeat it while absent. On my return, I will not spare those who sinned earlier or any of the others, since you are demanding proof that Christ is speaking through me. He is not weak in dealing with you, but is powerful among you. For to be sure, he was crucified in weakness, and yet he lives by God's power. Likewise, we are weak in him, yet by God's power we will live with him to serve you. Examine yourselves to see whether you are in the faith. Let test yourselves. Do you not realize that Christ Jesus is in you unless, of course, you fail the test? And I trust that you will discover that we have not failed the test. Now we pray to God that you will not do anything wrong. Not that people will see that we have stood the test, but that you will do what is right, even though we may seem to have failed. For we cannot do anything against the truth, but only for the truth. We are glad whenever we are weak, but you are strong. And our prayer is for your perfection. And that is why I write these things when I'm absent, that when I come, I may not have to be harsh in my use of authority, the authority the Lord gave me for building you up, not for tearing you down. Finally, brothers, goodbye. Aim for perfection. Listen to my appeal. Be of one mind. Live in peace. And the God of love and peace will be with you. Greet one another with a holy kiss. And all the saints send their greetings. May the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all. Amen. And amen. And what we have here at the very end, that's that last verse of uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 13 and verse 14. What we have here is called a benediction. It's a benediction that we often use at the end of a service. We don't use it maybe very often here, but certainly in Kirky Baptist where I work, uh, every service, at the end of every service, we just turn round and we speak that benediction to each other. The grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, the Father, the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all. It's a wonderful benediction. And it's really a wonderful blessing to speak into somebody's life as Paul is speaking that blessing blessing into the church at Corinth. 
And remember all the difficulties that he's had in this church. He's a church that was actually denying his apostleship. And he had to stand up for his apostleship. You'll see it there in 2 Corinthians. If you read 2 Corinthians, he's having to defend himself as an apostle of the Lord Jesus Christ. And so he comes to the end of this very difficult letter, although there's a lot of joy coming through as well. Things have been sorted out in the main, and various things have been healed and what have you. And he comes at the very end, and it's almost as if he's saying, all heaven be yours. Because we've got here the grace of the Lord Jesus. The love of God the Father. The fellowship of the Holy Spirit. Father, Son and Holy Spirit. A trinity of blessings. It's almost saying to you, I want all heaven to be yours. May the blessing of heaven come upon your church and your life. And that's a wonderful thing to have, isn't it? May all heaven be yours at the end of a letter. And it's very interesting that he starts that benediction by talking about the grace. The grace of the Lord Jesus Christ. I think grace is one of the most wonderful concepts, doctrines, whatever you want to call it, in the Bible. Because it's at the very start of the Christian life. It comes at the end of this letter. But it's at the very start of the Christian life. What does grace mean? It's the unmerited favour of God on us, the least deserving of sinners. Grace is just wonderful. The Greek word is charis. And we get the word charismatic. And the dramatic bit is gifts and the charis bit is gra- gifts of grace. And that's so powerful and so wonderful that, the, that this Christian life begins with grace. And that wonderful song that we sang, Amazing Grace, How Sweet the Sound, talks about that grace has taken us so far along and will take us safely home. Such is the the wonderful grace that we have of God. And Paul never tires of speaking about that grace. He talks about that grace in, in Ephesians as being the reason that we're saved at all. We are saved by grace through faith. And that not of ourselves, he said. It's the gift of God. It's God's gift to your life. And that's wonderful because we were not predisposed to favour God. We were in our sins. We were far away from God. And it's only by God's grace that he has stepped into our world, as it were, through the person of Jesus coming into our world, being our example, dying upon the cross. We are saved by faith, through grace by faith. And that not of ourselves. It's the gift of God. And Paul says that means that you've got nothing to boast about. And if anybody had reason to boast... It was the Apostle Paul. Pharisee of the Pharisee. Of the tribe of Benjamin. That tremendous list of qualities. That he could have boasted about. And he said I count that as nothing. For the all surpassing worth. Of knowing Christ. Such as the amazing grace of God. And we get a wee flavour of that. And another wee passage. You turn in your Bibles to 2 Corinthians uh, chapter 9. We find that a wonderful verse. Chapter 8 rather in verse 9. 2 Corinthians 8 and verse 9. Look at that verse. It's such a wonderful verse. It says, If you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. 2 Corinthians 8 and verse 9. For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. That though he was rich. 
Yet for your sakes he became poor, so that you through his poverty might become rich. He said, you know the grace of the Lord Jesus. But though he was rich, for our sakes he became poor. And have we been thinking about the poverty and the, the humility of a manger scene of the of the, the, just the humbleness of it out of the ivory palace the old hymn says into a world of woe I think that's fantastic he left the riches of heaven so that we in our poverty might be rich in the grace and the gift of God's grace in our lives that's wonderful but there's something else we need to say about this grace because there's something that we don't always realise that that grace is not only there to save us it's a grace that's there to break us and I mean being broken in the best sense of that being broken from pride we've spoken about Paul and his credentials that grace that came into his life just broke him he said, all that is nothing compared with the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus. And there's a brokenness that God wants to bring into your life and to my life. And that grace is there to do that. That grace is saying to us, you can no longer be self-sufficient. You can no longer be full of yourself or, or commend yourself for your spirituality or your religious oddity. That is nothing because the grace of God it breaks us in humility and helps us to bow before the Lord in worship and thankfulness and praise such is the wonderful grace of God there's grace there to break us and sometimes we have to look at the scriptures and just see that broken grace. There's a person called Annie Johnson Flint. She put it this way. He giveth more grace when the burdens grow greater. He sendeth more strength when the labors increase. To added affliction he addeth his mercy to multiply trials, his multiplied peace. You see this grace to break us comes in all circumstances of life. You remember Paul's thorn in the flesh? Nobody knows what it was. I think God's got a purpose in that. And he prayed that it might be removed. But what comes through from the Lord? My grace is sufficient for you. My strength is made perfect in weakness. And that's a tremendous thing. There's a, a grace that really breaks us. It breaks the pride in our lives and, and it humbles us, makes us more dependent upon the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ. And that's how Paul begins that benediction, the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ. But you know this, if there's grace that breaks us, there's love that heals us. The love of God, the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and the love of of God the Father. And there's a healing that the Lord wants to bring to his life. You know that story of the Good Samaritan that Jesus talks about when the man says, Who is my neighbor? And the Lord Jesus tells him the story of the Good Samaritan. What is this Good Samaritan all about? It's a wounded life healed by love. Is that not right? It's a wounded life healed by love. And there's many things that happen in our life. We become the wounds. You see, the wounds are always there. And there are always wounds in our life. But by the grace of the Lord, they come to the surface. 
And when these wounds come to the surface, and, and sometimes we are hurt in many ways, perhaps over the past year you've been carrying wounds and people have said things about you or against you and all kinds of things have happened and you've been wounded and maybe you've tried to bury these things or hide these things but the grace of the Lord brings them to the surface because he's got a wonderful love to heal. A love that's going to heal that uh, wound that's in your heart and in my heart at times. The things that break us. There's a lot of barriers to be removed in churches today. And I believe God's love can bring about a healing. You see, before we are broken by God, these wounds, as I said, are hidden. But by His grace, they come to the surface. And they have to be dealt with. I heard a speaker at a conference I was at a number of years ago and he said this, that when the body of Christ begins to love as Christ loved, it will heal as Christ healed. When it begins to love as Christ loved, it will heal as Christ healed. That's so powerful and it's so true. And, and the question we need to ask, are we nursing a grievance? Are we being wounded in our own spirit against somebody in the family, somebody in the church, or whatever it might be? And folks, do not take that baggage into a new year. The Lord has got all this love. There's enough love in God to heal every heart and every wound in our life. He wants to pour in the oil and the wine that was there in the story of the Good Samaritan. But you know this? There are some people who don't want to be healed of these wounds what are you going to talk about when you have to say well I'm sorry I'm not going to be taking that uh, up anymore because the Lord has poured in the oil and the wine the Lord by his love has healed that chapter's finished in my life I'm sorry I'm not going to be talking about that anymore that's in the past I'm going to go forward with God and yet there are folks in family life and we all try, uh, face it from time to time and they want to carry grievances and hearts and wounds into every consecutive year. And as Christians were saying to Lord, by your love, heal the wounds, heal the hearts so that we can go into a new year knowing the powerful love of God in a very wonderful way. So if there's grace to break us, there's love to heal us, and he talks about the fellowship of the Holy Spirit. There's fellowship to bind us. And we've been hearing about that just a wee few minutes ago. Those who were sharing with us how much the, the fellowship here has meant. There is a fellowship of the Holy Spirit to bind us together. 